You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Well, I'm breaking in from my Roman series to speak on tithing. I realize that the, the year is going fast, and uh, we need to talk about tithing just like we need to talk about salvation and uh, healing, baptism of the Holy Spirit, all of these, these main doctrines. Well, first of all, let me say that the PAOC is a cooperative fellowship. And we're sustained by tithes and offerings. That's the way we do it. We don't do raffles. We don't do bingo. We don't do any kind of other ways to raise money. We raise it the biblical way through tithes and offerings. Uh, congregations, this is the way it's done. Congregations tithe to the local church. The local church tithe to the district. And the district ties to the general office, the international office. And the international office has a budget, and they look after a whole lot of different things. But 30% of their budget goes to missions. That's over and above what we designate to missions as well. And so we are a missions fellowship, and we have missionaries all over the world, and uh, they raise their own support, but there's a lot of things that uh, needs to be done besides their own personal support in uh, starting and planting churches and Bible colleges and the such in the different areas. So we have uh, uh, 1,100, 1,100 churches in Canada, and you can see that uh, that covers a lot of people and there's a lot of tithe and a lot of money goes to the Lord's work. Tithing is a very controversial subject among Christians in this generation. I'll try to show you from Scripture why I tithe 10% and why it's important for you to tithe also. I began tithing as a child. My mom would give me and my sisters uh, 10% of our family allowance check, which now I think is called child tax credit. But uh, the family, mom, dad, mom and dad got a certain amount for every child. And of course, I think it was also the older the child, the more they, they got, something like that. But anyway, I remember getting, getting my, every month this check, the check came in, the family allowance check came in, and mom would divvy out 10% of what, we, what she got for each child to us, and we gave that into the offering plate on Sunday. It was teaching us a very important principle. Um, the Pentecostal church closed while we were, uh, when we were young, and uh, we attended the United Church on the island that we lived on, uh, for a, a, a few years, and while we were there, mom and dad still continued to tithe to the United Church, although they did not uh, require that their members would do so. Uh, 
I began tithing as an adult, and it was more of a, a law based on Old Testament law rather than tithing because I wanted to. Because, you see, uh, under the Old Testament law, there were some things that God had said that uh, applied to the, to the Jewish people that uh, I thought applied to me and all of our, all of our, our uh, congregations thought the same thing, of course. And I, I didn't want to rob God, and I certainly didn't want to be cursed. And uh, that was the consequences. That was Israel's consequence for not tithing. God said, you're cursed with a curse because you're robbing God. And, uh, and who wouldn't desire the open heaven blessing that was promised for, for tithing? So, um, but then uh, came the, what some call the prosperity gospel, and the name stuck, and, uh, and uh, a television evangelist had a great part in that. And, uh, but, uh, you know, there were some honest and, and uh, God-honoring people that preached the gospel and, and in that way, but wolves in sheep's clothing have been sharing the flock with the prosperity gospel message ever since. It's not a gospel. Somebody tagged it that, prosperity gospel, but it's not a, it's not a gospel. But um, a warped interpretation of Scripture clouds the truth. And when you get this, the, the truth clouded, it hurts everybody. And it has damaged the church financially Every church that believes in, in supporting the Lord's work this way, it has da damaged them uh, tremendously. I'm never impressed by a 20-minute plea for me to give into the offering plate. Effie and I plan what we're going to give before we ever come to church. And uh, there's no amount of pleading when we get here that's going to change that. Okay? We believe that we hear from God, and, uh, and uh, we are more than willing to give whatever the Lord says. And there may be times, and there have been times, when the Lord has spoken to our hearts and, and changed what we had said before we left home. But that has been uh, very few and far between times when that has happened. Our tithe always goes to the local church that we're attending. That's the storehouse. And so then what we do with our offerings, that's anywhere. You can give that to the Billy Graham Association or Oral Roberts or Kenneth Copeland or whoever you want to give it to. But uh, I just want to talk about my reasons, biblical reasons for tithing. And uh, first of all, it's an Old Testament principle continued in the New Testament church. Tithing honors an Old Testament principle of God's provision for ministry, ministers and ministry. God designed a tribe of Levi to minister in the tabernacle 
and the temple in the Old Testament. God declared that they were to live off the tithes of the other 11 tribes. So the Levites were the spiritual leaders of, of Israel, and, and they were to live off the tithe of the, of the other 11 tribes. So now the thing about it is they didn't have any land as a, profess, as a possession in Israel, in the promised land, because they were, they were ordained to be God's servants to the people. So in Numbers chapter 18, verse 20 and 21, says it this way. When the, then the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in the land, nor shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the children of Israel. Behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tithes in Israel as an inheritance in return for the work which they perform, the work of the tabernacle of meeting. So when we tithe today, we honor this principle. We are still supporting the Lord's work with the tithe. I believe that Jesus in the New Testament included this principle for his church. And here's why I believe that. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of, of mint and anise and common and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So he commended them for, for tithing, and he said, you need to do that. You need to keep that up, but you need to look after the, the weightier matters of the law also, justice and mercy and faith. They tithe everything, even the spices. These things that are mentioned here are, the spi are spices. And they, so they tithe even on the spices from their gardens. So Jesus endorsed tithing. So don't, don't neglect justice and love and mercy, but continue to tithe. Here's another place in the New, in the New Testament scriptures where I see the principle of tithing because being continued in the early church. And here it goes in 1 Corinthians 9, 13 to 14. Do you not know that those who minister to holy things eat of the things of the temple? And those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar? Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. So Paul is using the illustration of the tithe in the Old Testament for to, to take care of the, the needs of the church in the New Testament. The Old Testament decreed that the Levites would work in the temple and live off the tithes brought to the temple. In the same way, the Lord has commanded, Paul says, the Lord has commanded, those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. This leads me to believe that tithing was a continuation, a continuation in the early church. 
So we honor the principle from God, a plan to sustain ministry in his church. Now the next one is the principle of ownership. In Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Everything belongs to the Lord. In reality, my whole income belongs to the Lord. But God says, give me 10% and keep the rest. Keeping in mind that God owns it all, I need to practice good stewardship. I need to pray about my spending habits. I need to apply the Joseph principle to my finances. Save in the boom years, in the years of plenty, when, when we'll have more than enough so that we can put some away because there's always going to come years of famine. There's always going to come years like we have been experiencing in the last three years. Unnecessary spending can get us in financial trouble. Easy credit is a trap of the enemy to enslave you with debt. Credit is not a blessing. In most cases, it's a curse in disguise. And so keeping in mind that God has given me everything that I've, God has given me the ability to make money. And so I need to be a good steward of what God has given me. Not only in my giving of the tithe, but apart from that, spending my money wisely, not buying things unnecessarily and loading myself down with debt. I know that this is not a one-size-fits-all. There are many obstacles that people face. Health issues, job loss, extended unemployment, extreme financial setbacks. But in all of our hardships, keep trusting the Lord because he never changes. We can put our trust in him and be sure that he's going to take care of us. Acknowledge his ownership and trust him to renew and restore. Just because I have a financial decline doesn't mean that God is not going to turn it around if I honor him. Just because I'm sick doesn't mean that I'm going to die. God has made some specific promises to us if we can believe all things are possible. He has provided us for an awesome financial and physical and spiritual plan if we will follow it. It is a known fact that when we get more, we spend more. This is true for most believers 
and unbelievers alike. We have, if we have less at our disposal, we spend less. Most of us started off in life with just very little. But over the years, we have gotten a little stronger financially and physically and spiritually, hopefully. Our first used car was $600. I paid $600. And uh, we kept it for two years, traded on another used car, and so on and so on. Finally, one day, we had a brand new car. As finances improved, we went higher to higher price cars and eventually new cars. The truth is that over the years, we could have kept many of the cars that we had, used them longer, and saved a lot of money. In our lifetime, we have spent big bucks on expensive vacations. We have been doing that for years. In our early years of marriage, when our children were young, we vacationed in tents and campers and had enjoyed a life together, had great times together. And most of our vacations in those years would not be more than a maximum of $500. And we enjoyed it. We have spent thousands of dollars on one vacation. And we've enjoyed that. And we, we thank God for the privilege of being able to do that. But my point is, is that good stewardship? And the answer is no, it's not. You see, we could have easily said, well, this trip is going to cost us $10,000. So why don't we just stay home this year, give that to missions or give that to the church or whatever, and take a vacation next year? Do you understand what I'm saying? All of us, all of us are not doing our best in stewardship. And so when the Lord brought that to my mind as I was using this illustration and this came to mind and I said, okay, I, you know, like first I felt, well, maybe I shouldn't say that, but then it's true. So why not? And when I came to grips with it, I said, ouch. That hurts. As God brought this to my mind, the third principle of sowing and reaping is the principle of sowing and reaping. God's ways of providing for his kingdom, kingdom work is effective and fruitful. I never want to lay a heavy uh, upon people for not tithing. Because I believe that in the age of grace, it is not a direct command to tithe. But we use tithing as a guideline 
It was an Old Testament principle, and if it was used for the children of Israel, then why not at least do that for God's work today? And so God's way of providing for his kingdom work is effective and it is fruitful. I never want to lay heavy upon anyone, but that's an issue between you and God. And I love to remind people of the blessings of tithing and giving to the Lord. That's what I want to focus on. I don't want to go back to the Old Testament law and, and tell you that you're cursed with a curse if you don't give. I want you to know that God offers you a blessing when you honor him with the tithe. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 and 6, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. He says, if you sow sparingly, you will reap, as you will reap sparingly. When you sow bountifully and cheerfully, you will have an abundance for every good work. You will have enough to give when there is a need. I can understand reaping in proportion to what I sow. But what does cheerfulness have to do with it? He said, God loves a cheerful giver. Well, I believe that cheerfulness has to do with attitude. It's my attitude towards giving. If I begrudge what I'm giving, I'd best keep it to myself, keep it for myself, because there's no blessing in that. Giving is a blessing for you. It's more blessed, Jesus said. Well, I shouldn't say it that way because... Well, Paul said, Jesus said, so somewhere, somewhere, somehow, sometime, Jesus must have said it. Okay? But we don't have a record, a written record of when Jesus said that. But Paul said, Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I think that everyone that has ever given in any way if you've given with a good attitude, you've experienced that that is true. The point is that we must keep the blessing flowing. It is for God's glory. Excess money in the Bible is for good deeds. It is for doing good. It's not for hoarding. Now, the Bible clearly teaches us that it is right to lay up an inheritance for your children. It is right to save, and it is right to look after your family. 
You and I don't know what day we're going to go from the scene of this world. And it's good to have something left behind so that your loved ones can fare well. Okay? The Bible is not down on that. But we need, a lot of times I believe we eat the seed that God has given us. God gives us seed so that we can plant this seed. And then the Bible tells us that if we do that, God will give us more so that we will have more to plant. The focus should never be on how much I'm going to get, how quickly I'm going to become a millionaire. Or I'm going to have 100000 or two hundred or $300,000. That's not the point of giving. If God chooses to bless me that way, that is great. But if you twist the scriptures to try to coerce people into giving so that you will become rich, you are not preaching the word of God. Tithing is God's way of providing you with what is necessary for all your needs. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When I started, when I said yes to God and told some of my family members that we were going into full-time ministry, they said, well, you know, I fear for you. You're going to be a pauper. You know, like you're going to give everything you have away and then you'll have nothing. And God has been so faithful to us that that has never been the case. God's shovel is bigger than mine. And God has always poured into my life. And when the day that I leave Cole Community Church, I do not have any big pension. I don't have any pension coming to me except for the government pension. That's all I have. And our RSPs, which is very small. I put $15,000 into an RRSP over a period of seven years when I was in Fort McMurray. And the interest that has gone on that, that's all that I have over and above. And you know something? That doesn't worry me one little bit. If I live to be 110, we're still going to do okay. God has me covered. Amen? And that's all I care about. It doesn't matter how many zeros is in my bank account. God is able to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen? So, it's a good and a wise move in, every, to view it, to, in view of the promises of God to tithe. Paul is well aware of, of, math, of Malachi chapter 3.10, and, and he could be expressing it here, but in, in Malachi 3.10 he says, Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now, says the Lord of hosts. If, th- if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. 
And I recognize that there's a lot of blessings that I need in my life. And I believe that God has blessed me because I've been faithful to him. And uh, one of the blessings is good health. I thank God for that. I thank God for the energy that I have. I thank God that I get up in the morning and I'm ready to go and there's not an ache or a pain, you know. And, 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 and th that's a blessing. I know some people who are not as old as I am and they're crippled up with arthritis and everything else. And uh, it's not because I didn't work uh, hard in my life. The first part of my life, the first 40 years of my life was, was hard work. But God has blessed me. This is amazing challenge from God. Test me, he says. You think you can't afford to tithe? Well, test me. God says, test me. Tithe, just do it and just see. You're not under any obligation. If it doesn't work, don't tithe. Amen? But give him time to work in your life and do it in faith and, 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 and just test him. And if you'll test him in this, you will soon find that you cannot afford not to tithe. Amen? Folks, I'm, I, I'm telling you the truth today. And it's just as important as if I knew how you could, if I knew the numbers, if I, now God will, I don't think God would ever do this. But if God gave me a dream and he, he told me, the numbers to the next big lottery, okay? And I said, well, you know, I'm a pastor, so pastors don't gamble, and so, you know, like, I, I can't use this for myself, but maybe I'll tell one of the guys in the church what those numbers are. You would receive it gladly, wouldn't you? Well, God has given you something that is much more precious than that. It is something for your daily life, for you and your family. And the blessings that come from it is not just money. We got to have money to run the church. We got to have money to do the programs of the church. But I look back at my life and I realize where I came from and the way my life was headed before I accepted Christ into my life. And I can see the disaster that I would have been. My marriage wouldn't have lasted if it had kept on the way it was going. The first year it was rough. If I had kept on that way and I had got back into my old ways of drinking and that and I, I, I couldn't drink without getting drunk, I wasn't interested in having one drink or a bottle of beer, I had to get plastered. And that's the way alcoholics, that's the way people become alcoholics. My marriage wouldn't have lasted my children probably wouldn't have had any kind of a relationship with me. But today I've got a 
happy married life, just as in love with that girl on the front seat there as I was the day I asked her to be my wife. Every day we're honeymooning in the condor, right? (laughs) Amen. It's beautiful. I love it. I'd like to be able to live another 30 or 40 years with her. I don't know how I would do that, but I'd like to try, be the first one to do it. In, in, in uh, New Testament times, anyway. But uh, then having my children around me who love me, expressed their love for me in so many different ways. Having grandchildren that just adore me and idolize me. Having a church family that, that loves me and respects me and my wife. And having church groups throughout Alberta that we've pastored that love us and still contact us over the years. That is something that is so precious. And that's blessings. That's blessings, folks. So this is God's way. It's the only safe way to handle your money. Jesus made another awesome promise in Luke chapter 6, verse 23. He said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. And I could tell you many, many stories. I'm not going to mention them today, just to say that men and women have given us thousands of dollars over the years of ministry. Sometimes in, when we were in need and sometimes in times of our abundance, God just poured more in. And many times, people have said, the Lord told me to give you this. God takes care of his own. I'm going to conclude right now, and the musicians want to come back. As I tested and proved the Lord in giving giving a tithe of my income to support his work, it has strengthened my faith in God and in his promises. I never doubt the promises of the Lord. I believe the Bible from cover to cover. I confess to you there's a lot of things that I don't understand. And there are many times when someone asks me a question, I have to say, I'll get back to you on that one. That is something that I never ever thought of. And I have to study it out for myself. But I have found the Lord to be true to his promises. I don't view my tithe or giving as a loss. I see it as an investment. Effie and I are extremely blessed 
because of it. Because I'm a giver, God has always made sure that I have something to give. That's what the Bible says he will do. I'm going to share this with you and then we'll close. In 1973, we were tithing, but living from paycheck to paycheck. I was living in St. John's, Newfoundland, and I was working at a Pepsi-Cola bottling plant And uh, I had a promise of a job as a laborer in a, at construction of a refinery in an outport in Newfoundland. I came from the bay, we called it, on the coast, the east coast of Newfoundland. And although I was living in the city for seven years, I, I wanted to get back out around the bay. This was an awesome opportunity to do that. So I contacted some people and I got in contact with a man who had a house for sale. It's, it was a house that he was living in, he bought to live in while he was building his mansion. He was the manager of the construction of the refinery. And he promised me that I could have a job in the labor department. And uh, so we made a deal and I got the house. And we moved, we sold the house. My father and I had a, we bought a house between us. And uh, we sold a house, it was a rather large house, and uh, moved out to the outport community. Because my father had just retired and he was 70 years of age, I felt that I should help him because we were going to make a duplex of the house. And I would help him to do the framing and get the roof on before I went to work at the refinery. It just so happened that the refinery put a freeze on hiring. And the man that I bought the house from was into some unethical stuff, fraud really, <laughs> and he had skipped the country and the police were, had all points bulletin out for him. And so I was without a job. We decided, my dad and I, to keep working on the house until all of the money was gone. I couldn't get unemployment insurance because I had quit my job in St. John. We went to church on Sunday morning and I only had $20 left. And that $20 wasn't going to buy much food or anything else. 
And as an act of faith, I placed it in the offering plate as it went by. It wasn't a tithe because I wasn't working. It was just an offering. But like the widow, it was my might. And so I gave the offering, trusting God that something was going to work out. They were going to take the freeze off, and I would get the job. Before noon on Monday morning, I got a phone call, and it was my pastor. And he said, Hayward, I hear that they're going to be hiring some people to work on the refinery, operators. They're going to train those operators. The government has stipulated that Newfoundlanders will have to operate the plant. Now, the only oil we knew about was cod liver oil. But God had a plan. And so I followed up on it. Turned out that I got the job because I was a Newfoundlander, not because of my education, nothing like that. I, I hate to tell you this because it might just sort of, you know, make you think less of me, but I don't care. I'm going to be gone in another two years. <laughs> I dropped out of school when I was in grade nine. And so I didn't have much of an education. The least you need is grade 12, grade 11 in Newfoundland. But God overruled all that. I got in, got the job, and we had six months classroom training. And they paid us right from the very first day an operator's wage to do the training. And for three and a half years, we worked in that refinery. And then it went bankrupt. But God never closes one door without opening another door. And so that opened the door for me to come to Alberta. I didn't know where Alberta was. I didn't know where Fort McMurray was. We had to get maps and look, see where it was. We began to read up on it and see what it was all about. And we, one thing we learned at Alberta was the Bible Belt of Canada. And then I remembered how we would be listening to Ernest E. Manning preaching the Word of God, the premier of Alberta. 
and hearing my dad say, oh, if we only had a premier like that in Newfoundland, a man who loves God, a man who's serving God and preaching the words. And now I was coming to Alberta. Seven years I worked in the refinery up there. And again, if anyone you want to work with Sin, at Syncrude in the, in the operations department with a grade nine education, you've got to have God on your side. And I could, I don't want to go into all that, how that happened, but God opened the door. I got in there. I was very shy, very introverted. But there I learned to public speak. They had all kinds of courses there. And I finally ended up in the training department, training new employees coming in. And God blessed me. But after being there for seven and a half years, I got a call from God. One Sunday morning, after the message was preached, I ran to the altar, knelt down, and cried my heart out and said, Lord, whatever you want from me, I'm willing to do it. And when in my spirit I heard Bible college, and I said right away without even thinking, yes, Lord, I'll do it. And I can trace it all back to a $20 bill. The last one that I had. The very next day, I had a job. Before that week was out, I was on the payroll. God is good. He's faithful to your promises, to his promises. And now, if you want something from the Lord today, if you need salvation, if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, He's waiting for you to say yes to Him. If you're having a financial problem, He's waiting to heal that situation. If you're sick, he wants to heal you. Oh, we could go on all of the things, the negative things. Why so-and-so has been sick for years? Why so-and-so has been prayed for a dozen times and nothing has happened? I don't have an answer for that. You and I are not God. We have no place to judge why something happens or why something doesn't happen. But we have the word of God and those who dare to trust in the word of God and believe what God's word says and step out in faith. That's the people who receive from the bountiful supply. You can complain and criticize the church all you like. It's not going to get you anywhere. It's only going to drag you down. 
But you look at your brothers and sisters here today, love them and respect them, and allow them to be who God called them to be. Their life is not your life. The things that they're dealing with may be nothing like what you're dealing with. Let God bless them. And you bless them. And you be happy that God is blessing them. You want blessing. God promised to bless those who bless others. I better be careful or I'll be preaching another message here. (laughs) Oh, Lord, we love you so much. Lord, we want to thank you. You care so much for your church. You care so much for your people. And you want your best. You want to see everyone entering into the full plan that you have for them. When you're looking down on us today, there's no one more special than anyone else. We're all special and precious in your sight. So we open ourselves up today to receive from your bountiful supply. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.